Hello and welcome back to Frivolous Gravitas with myself, Chris Driver, and I'm here with my co-host, Jordan Roy. And we're discussing the, uh, I don't even know how to call it, I guess, the extremism as an ism. But uh, having defined our terms in the first section and sort of laid out some of the groundwork of where we're taking the discussion. Um, moving forward, thinking it might be a good place to... Uh, or a good time to start asking questions about the um, the conflict, like the antagonist or what the the other group is in the perspective of interrelations between extremist groups, centrist groups, etc. So maybe you could take us on on um, or take us where you'd like to go with with that. Yeah. So. Sorry, excuse me. Um, Pardon the well, shitty introduction. <laughs> okay. We're, we don't seem to be good at introductions. So No, um, no. We, that, uh, we generally that takes tend a lot to, of planning. I'm not very good at that. Well, and we always tend to be at our best when we are in when we get that momentum. So Yeah, momentum. Um, this is just a kick down the road. That's how we're getting you going. Yeah. So we'll more like stumble and then get that, use that momentum to actually walk. Botte la fesse. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, one thing uh, that I've kind of noticed uh, from my extremist days, and uh, which we will get into in probably our uh, episode on um, protesting, is that uh, there isn't always another. There's always something else. There's always another group or another person or a scapegoat or something. It's just an other, another that you can have as your antagonist. And this is very convenient now it's nice when you when someone's you know where the barbarians are coming over the hills and they're coming to steal your stuff and burn down your village you know you have this nice visible other that you can be like all right let's 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 get at her and you know what you need to do there's no there's no gray area they're the bad guys you're the good guys and they made a very satisfying thump when they hit the ground but everyday life in a peaceful society like ours isn't like that. Um, the other isn't a criminal, isn't a uh, malevolent force of you know, evil rhetoric. It's just someone else living under a different um, uh, context than you. Now, if that context involves coming over the hill and you know raiding your village, well then you, know, you go. But generally, when was the last time that happened to you? Um, so now this isn't a worry. We, we, we find others now in the past, it did help to define those beyond the borders of your, um, of your, you know, realm as a threat, this other that you needed to defend against, because generally it was true. Uh, if there's, if there are things called Vikings, then you need to put a watch out. You need to, you know, spend some material making spears and shields and swords. Build that wall. And you do need to build a wall. <laughs> Walls are very useful. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, we're in the age of helicopters and airplanes, they're not as useful. And ladders, yeah. Huh? <laughs> ladders, yeah. Well, ladders are, if you can, if a stick with a notch at the end can push a ladder over really well, especially if you build a palisade on the wall. Mm. Anyway, not going to get into medieval construction. Uh, 
although it's super interesting. That would um, be an interesting topic, actually, but later. <laughs> there are better people on YouTube for that. So the other is usually um, fictional, generally. They're a generalization. They are this thing that has some basis in truth, but in reality is nothing, has no kin to that. So uh, in World War II, you get um, the... Uh, uh, national socialists who are persecuting uh, the Jews for um, things that they would just make up. Yosef uh, Goebbels would be like, all right, here's today's lie and about them. And doesn't matter if it's true or not, here it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, sadly, you start seeing this in today's media where it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's, it's, it's the feeling that counts. It's the, it's the thing. You have this, this this other that we're trying to use whether or not it's true to get to the end which is uh, a thousand year reich or uh, the revolution or um a world without borders or whatever nonsense utopian uh flavor of the day is now how is this other constructed generally um depends on what you want and the construction of your beliefs. So when a religious thing is, you know, those that are evil because they do not follow our belief system, um, and then it's okay to just go and get rid of them. Um, so those that do not subscribe to this or that belief system, either whether heathen, heretic, uh, doesn't matter, they're, they're fair game for that and you can make up whatever you want about them and they become this other uh you can make up ludicrous ludicrous things uh about these groups but the thing is that the other becomes this group they become this they're not an individual it's not um it's not just uh um this one guy at the top because it's always this one guy followed by a bunch of other guys it's a group of um fascists or communists or uh tea party guys or um uh antifa or whatever um and yeah 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 yeah. so you can make up these groups and these groups aren't individuals uh even though um individualism is important uh that's another episode but um the um when you group people in like that they become a active body that acts with regard to that your perceived notion of what they do not you know the baker who belongs to the uh conservative party of canada isn't a baker they're a oppressive baker. They are a baker who, you know, thinks, oh, if only these other, you know, who is part of this group who thinks like has these malevolent opinions and whatnot. But, and so this active group acting against you allows you to hold these views uh, in such a way that you can act from a position of, um, Uh, a, a perceived necessity. So I, I need to do this because I'm under attack right now. Our liberal values are under attack. 
Uh, maybe a bit, but like it's not going to destroy the system. Or uh, we need to destroy the the oppressive uh, bourgeois government, or we need to, to get down party A or party B. Well, that's sounds all well and good, but none of these things are actual existential threats to our society. They're just part it's of like our stoking society. the flames, basically, right? They're they're creating right. a boogeyman for us all to get primal fear activated in our mandula obligata or whatever so this sounds like old hat because almost i i almost feel like this is a conversation that has been had forever you go back to um you go back to george orwell you go back to uh um, you see some stuff like this in uh i don't even want to say 1984 but like even you go back to like homage to catalonia and you see how the spanish civil war played out and how they kind of legitimized all these stupid decisions the POUM were making uh, and all these Spanish anarchists and communists coming together to, you know, fail at a civil war. Um, and you end up with a Franco government, which was just great for the Spanish. Um, but the... And he realized that these people on all sides were just forcing their rhetorics, trying to get something that was ill-defined. So you have these extremists on all sides and there's a no-win situation. So it's that that justifies all of what they want to do, even if you don't define it. You don't even have to have an end at that point because the end is just, it's better than this, uh, something better. That's not this, there's an existential threat. It's bad and we need to get rid of it because anything other than that is, is 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 uh is good so is there a way that you think people would have been able to recognize that at the time like were there red flags to say this is extremism or does it just sort of like confusingly blend in with normalcy and regularity there were literal red flags um but (laughs) that was sort of the (laughs) point they were they were everywhere um uh, like, how do you, how do you mean? Cause I, uh, well, like imagine us as the people in that situation, like uneducated, half illiterate, most of us, you know, we have big families cause half of our kids die before adulthood, like just putting yourself in that time, would it be possible to know, Hey, that's pretty extreme. We shouldn't do this. Or are people sort of beholden to the lies that are fed them since they're born? Like, are we victims of well, propaganda or are we contri- um, conspiring with them? Hmm. Are we subject that, to the ideas um, that are implanted in us or do we have the strength and commitment of will to decide inherently from birth as human beings, regardless of our upbringing, we have the choice to decide to okay. be extreme or not? I think... S- and this is kind of a unpopular view is that I think some of us do. Um, I hope that I have confidence to make that decision myself. I hope. Um, but it's, it takes, it takes work and I have to think about what I'm doing and saying, and it's easy not to. Um, and I don't think that education and education does help getting more people more used to thinking does help. Um, 
because you know nowadays we talk about how the internet is making everyone access all this stuff but it was the same with the introduction of print media where everyone can now see all the horrors of society and now they're all talking about it but they didn't they 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 didn't know they didn't they never saw their society you know and they couldn't see the forest for the trees and now they're seeing the entire forest and they're like oh no and we're kind of doing the same thing again now uh so education helps but we're also in a in society no matter which society is also in constant change and uh it doesn't matter which society you're in there's always constant change and um the thing is is that it's hard to keep up and it's scary and it's easy to fall for it even as a person because you know someone tells you something in their authority and you just be like maybe you're tired that day and you go you know what yeah let's go with that and that's probably why it's so effective like late, too, right because on average most right. people are going to be having one of those days <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people yeah so i i'm lucky because i can think about these things and i have the ability to you know pop my head up every once in a while and get a sense of am i an idiot or am i not and i can think about that and take myself uh critically and but then all of a sudden like we have a lot of people nowadays who are only watching cnn only watching fox and only facebook well yeah and they're getting what they want to hear or they're getting what people want them to hear and they're not thinking too much about it so they say like this people like this is bad how could they do this this is but they never questions like wait is that actually bad and you think about it for five seconds it's like no why why are they being so histrionic about this topic like uh, i like why do we need to be this like why is it why are they telling me this why are they for getting me to act in this way so then you 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 move forward and you're like after a while you can see the propaganda on both sides and you once you make your own opinion you can move on from that and i think that's often uh that is kind of what happened to george orwell uh he was a he was a communist um he believed in the uh the value of all people of all races and all uh sorry not races but uh, all classes um and because he had spent time if you read down and out in paris and london and road to wigan pier he spent a lot of time with the poor he wanted to understand them. he wanted to get what they were into his bones to understand what it was to be poor and he didn't find anything he found them to be you know simple base but not like not beyond hope and he said we we can improve this and he saw communism as thing and he went to war um on the side of the communists in spain and like in 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 a in a way similar to me once you meet these people you the idealism is stripped away once you see the reality of it and interaction with it with the actual nature of what you're talking about shows you a reality that has nothing to do with the rhetoric um i met the leaders of the manitoba communist party when i was in my fire breathing phase and i was just like oh this guy's kind of an idiot <laughs> and i and I, that was kind of one of the moments where i started to like move away from the rhetoric that i was um getting in a lot of my university classes and just question the like what we need is this and i was like okay but what would that entail instead of just being like yeah because it sounds good 
if something mm. sounds good again, if it's too easy, then it's probably is too good to be true. Because when you actually do put yourself in a position to uh, make change or affect change or do a, uh, try and create a better future for yourself or those around you, it's a lot more complex. You have to deal with people that are different from you. And this is where um, that idea that we came up with of trust came in. When you actually meet and realize the realities of what's going on, you realize that it's not, you know, red versus blue. It's not, you know, they're conservative and I'm liberal and they made a very satisfying thump when Trudeau won or something. It's like, no, 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 no. It's way more complicated than that. It's because we are individuals in society interacting with each other and to group ourselves up is ludicrous. Um, because like I'm part of a voting block because I voted, but that doesn't mean that I'm the same as everyone. I just, this yeah. is my opinion on this one issue. And so when we assign these qualities to the other, it de-incentivizes us from, oh, no, I don't like that word. Uh, it, it distances us from those people. So you can just, you can be like, oh, that guy, he owns a firearm and therefore he's a conservative and he has these other opinions and da, 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 da. No. Um, what you need to look at is what do you need to do? And you need to trust those people on the other side because you need to work with them because we're all kind of in this together. So that baker who voted conservative and you voted liberal, well, guess what? His bread is great. And you want to buy it because you're you like bread and you're, you're hungry and he enjoys making bread and so it doesn't really matter that he voted conservative if he's a jerk to you when you buy the bread that's more important than his political affiliation or his group affiliation or whether or not he's got this or that skin tone or whether he's you know part of which class or whatever it doesn't matter is he effective at doing what he's doing, what you are contracting him to do in that. So, you know, make so it's like you're able to compartmentalize one thing from the other, like saying their political views don't affect his ability to an expertise in making bread. And likewise, um, owning a gun and being conservative on certain policy issues doesn't make you a block of the conservative party as in one representative fraction of them. It sort of just means that you happen to vote on those policies at the same time that they did, right? Right. And I think that is, it's easy to other people when we take things very simply. So, uh, well, let's go through this. Uh, very, uh, this is going to be a bit of a ride. Sorry. Um, so, so I, for, own, I own firearms. That's a very conservative thing. I like my gun control but I like it to make sense. So I'm already swinging through. Okay. So you already have assumptions about me. Now I am very in favor of, uh, 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 well, I am very concerned about the environment. Very, very, very concerned. I think it's one of the most grave existential threats or uh, not just our society, but our uh, species has encountered. Um, oh, hold on, let me just make a note here. Uh, sorry about that. So it's one of the most important things that our society 
uh, not as society, but our species, the gravest threat we've ever encountered. And yes, I agree that, um, excuse me, a lot of it is, well, yeah, it's man-made. It's, it's, it's a result of human interaction in the ecosystems. Um, and it's evident just by the, uh, well, I'm not gonna argue that, it, it, it is. And so I'm very much leaning towards what we would call the left. So you're already siloing me uh, if you're watching this. So it's easy to silo me on the left because, you know, oh, climate denier, this and that. It's like already you're othering and you're creating groups in your head. So um, now remember, I'm Jordan. So when I went to the Greta Thunberg rally, I became part of the mass of people that were there. Now, the mass people that were there all had various different opinions about everything. Now, I'm part of the crowd, so therefore, I'm a Thunberg supporter. Now, the thing is, I find everything about her rhetoric worse than useless. Uh, so, worse than I support... Useless, not just useless. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I find it horribly um, counterproductive. Uh, to, How so? Well, it's a society's fault that the environment's failing. Okay, great. What are we going to do with that? Well, we got to reform society. So this is the whole conversation that uh, if we get rid of these societal problems, then the economy, then the then the world's uh, uh, ecological problems will disappear because we need to solve racism before we solve, you know, the climate. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> is that so, part of that burn everything down strategy that when we talked about those four different yeah, strategies? So like you get people waving communist flags and anarchy flags, and there's like anarchist stickers all over Edmonton here. And um, you saying, oh, we need to go back to a simpler time where we lived with nature. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be dead for 10 years already. <laughs> yeah, let's vote on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, I'm sorry. That's that's not okay. So, um, yeah, I fall very heavily on we need to get out there and plant trees. We need to find better sources of energy. Uh, I'm looking at you, fusion power. Um and we need to, uh, and like more effective solar capture, we need to find better ways of getting resources. You know, let's go find them in space so we don't have to dig up our ground. <laughs> we can do, we can get robots to do it. Uh, or we can go ourselves just for the sheer pleasure of it. Um, <laughs> there are better ways to do things and th those alternatives are those third ways I was talking about. Just because you see two, you know, you have a trolley problem and you see two paths doesn't, you know, are you looking harder? Can you find another path? There might be one there. And so this is an example of me showing you how, look how complex I am, lol. No, I'm showing you my complexity, which is just as complex as any one of you listening. You, if you take time to think about these issues and challenge yourself and make yourself uncomfortable about your opinions, you'll probably find yourself becoming more and more nuanced, even to yourself. And then you'll find yourself not willing to be put up with saying, oh, you're just this or you're just that. It's like, no, I'm me. Uh, and um, so when you don't submit to being another or you don't submit to uh, letting people just be another, well, you, you can interact with people as people, but at the same time, you can find better solutions to the problems because 
the teleological religious end that you have where if we get rid of racism then we'll get rid of our ecological problems and our reefs will come back you'll see if we put more women in charge well everything will just become better it's like well um queen victoria margaret thatcher these uh no one really talks about them too much um i wonder yeah. why they're <laughs> well they're exceptions that prove the rule it's like are they um, and then there's like Elizabeth. Angela Merkel and everybody wants to crucify her for like making rational, sound, perfectly stable decisions. Like they just look or, for reasons to criticize. Yeah. Or um, Queen Elizabeth I, who, you know, oh, she was this wonderful queen. Go look it up what she did. You probably could find some exceptional uh, uh, things that would not fly in today's political climate. Um, although she was really interesting. Um yeah, but if nothing else, she was still a product of her time and her environment, as we all are. And when you're right. bred and raised in a certain environment, there's only so much you can you can be illuminated to, you know? Right. And making her a woman wouldn't have, it did change her decisions because there were political contingencies that uh, she needed to take into account because she was a woman. But it didn't make her somehow more enlightened. People are people. Women are people. Men are people. Mm everyone's people uh and we need to take if them anything as... it just made like sexism more uncomfortable for men because like her subordinates were supposed to be her advisors which were all male that was that was yeah. probably really uncomfortable for them to be working for a woman at the time well, the thing was that she was exceptional mm -hmm. as a person and that's what made her so powerful because of her exceptionalism um and that's almost in, in calling her, you know, she was successful because she's a woman or she was just, she, she fought. So she had a chance. If she would have been given a chance, she would have done even more. It's like, <clears throat> you need to read more. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it's not to say it's like, because she's a woman, she was great. She was great. And a woman it's like, yeah. in addition to like Nefertiti or Cleopatra, like they weren't just great because they were women. They were great people yeah. in and of like, just, I don't know if Cleopatra was great. She was, well, well, she was a genius at politics and manipulation. Like, so yeah, psych psychology before psychology, you have to say she had some kind of insight that nobody else had, regardless of what you beyond. approve of her method. She's, <laughs> she was still very yeah. effective, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, Antony was a bit of a odd, well, he, but again, yeah, he was a product was... of his environment. He was bred to be the egoist machoism Machiavelli sort. Right. Let's not discount um biology too much you know context isn't everything mark antony was built mark antony and then he was encultured mark antony so we aren't it's nurture it's nature and nurture that whole dichotomy anyway i don't want to get into that so um i think uh we've hit on quite a bit of stuff here though can um, i ask you some more about from what you talked about from your intro i sort of only got halfway through that so far <laughs> oh yeah yeah go ahead let's, okay. let's keep going so um there was the idea and i'm I, I apologize if i'm paraphrasing this incorrectly so just please correct me but there was the idea of promoting virtue um by use of indiscriminate force as sort of a means to evoke justice or to, I don't want to say impose justice because people are like implicitly under contract by their citizenship to agree and comply to it. But yeah. the evocation, like the action, the manifestation of justice being, um, going back to the whole, uh, the monopoly of violence 
sort of aspect of extremism. What I'd like to ask you about that, though, is how to differentiate extremism from governance. How do you know when a government's gone too far or a, a military has gone too far or a country's propaganda has gone too far? Like is sponsoring a coup d'etat, if you didn't plan the coup d'etat, is that legitimate? Or because it's a coup, all coups are extremism or like where, where do you draw a line and how should people find those lines to draw for themselves? I, my first thought was to go to mill. Um, and if you are, or Locke, well, with Locke, you can, are you infringing on someone's um, property, uh, health, uh, life, or um, what was the fourth thing? Dang it. Uh, his, four, uh, his four rights. Uh, oh, um, and speech, essentially. So are you stopping Expression, people from living? Yeah. yeah, expression. That was it. Thank you. Um, are you stopping people from talking or thinking? Are you stopping people from living and being healthy? Or are you taking their stuff? If you're doing any of those three things, you're probably not virtuous. Okay, um, let's consider it this go, way then, like a bowling pin, right? You, you throw a bowling ball down the lane, you hit the head pin. Just because the ball doesn't touch the other pins, it's still your action of throwing the ball that, that or the force that you threw the ball that helped knock the pins over. So if you didn't start right. the coup d'etat, but you sponsored the people who started it by giving them money or guns or helping oh, okay. them with a print shop to spread out propaganda, <clears throat> like how far is too far in imposing yourself oh. upon other people? What's extreme? Well, um, I tend to, like I said, I, I tend to subscribe to Mill uh, in some ways as well as Locke there. Um, just leave people alone unless they're not leaving you alone. Um, but um, then, uh, and if you go back to Locke, you're in a state of war when they are threatening, uh, you know, the natural rights. Now, the natural rights is contentious, but... Um, Inalienable rights you're it, talking about. Yes, yeah. Well, yes, it would later become that. Um, but if you are imposing your will upon someone else, uh, first of well. Do you have a plan? Are you doing this for a reason that, like, are you averting a war? So I guess you take the utilitarian argument, doing this to avert the thing. Now, is that actually going to happen? Um, now, with a lot of these coup d'etats, you see um, it didn't really cause much good but it seemed like a good idea at the time now extremism i believe it seems like it's a group thing and, I, and then you keep going towards um state intervention and stuff like that and i don't really have an answer with regard to state intervention but it is if you're kermit hoover and you're going over to the middle east to shake things up um then um yeah it's i wouldn't call that extremism because per se, because I don't really know the man, but they felt they were fighting a war. Now, I would say it is a radical action. I feel I, this, this subject is making me uh, 
But it's good. That's sort of the point of the conversation. Yeah, but to, I don't know if I think it is good area. because I'm not going to be able to come. I'm not going to be able to come down either way on this because that's a good I answer. Could, though. No, well, is, yes and no because I can <laughs> argue both, which is a problem for me here. You should it's do like that. I can say, I can, well, both sides. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but <laughs> yeah. Well, see, Explain the thing is that I, well, I'm going to. Oh, so sorry. the thing is that. On one side, I can say, yes, it's an extremist because they're not leaving people alone. No, it's not extremist because it's better than invading them. And it's better to try and change their mind And because you saw what happened in the Soviet Union. You saw the mass human wave attacks and the insurmountable casualties. You know what happened in the Holodomor. And you think, well, better read than, well, like, better... Uh, 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 better dead than red. So let's go. And so you think this is going to be better for the people of Iran. Uh, but the thing is that it wasn't better for the people of Iran because their government became demonstrably worse. And Iran was so close to the Soviet uh, sphere of influence that they couldn't not deal with them. And I think the Americans just made, instead of extreme mistakes. I think they were making stupid mistakes. Uh, and I don't know if that's an act of extremism, so much of an act of ignorance. Now, ignorance can lead to extremism. And when you become ideologically bent, now, they were ideologically bent towards uh, against Soviet practices. But to know whether they're extremist, I don't know if I'm willing to make a judgment on that. Uh, now it's easy to do it. It's like, of course they were bad, rawr, or like, uh, you know, anything that this and that, but yeah, hindsight, I, yeah, hindsight's great. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's so great. Uh, historian become a master of hindsight. Um, so the, I think it's whether maybe I should steer this this way. Are you acting collectively or are you acting individually? Um, and do does your do your ideological uh, does your ideological faith force you to act in a way that prioritizes the collective rather than the individual? Um, and a collective acting as one needs a direction. And if there's nothing to do, well, you need a reason and another gives you a great way to push yourself in a direction. Um, and if there's nothing else, you can always do a five-year plan. So <laughs> um, a lot of times you get a lot of like death to America stuff in, uh, in the non-American areas of the world. Um, and it works great because America has bad things, uh, has bad things about it. Canada has bad things about it. You can find bad things everywhere. Look under any rock, you can find something terrible. Um, so it's easy to create these structures of um, these structures of uh, contention, of conflict, and then out of these, you can create structures of um, action. Uh, we have this group, uh, communists or the Jews or uh, the capitalists or uh, Democrats or the Republicans, uh, and your group is on the right side. So everything we say is right. Uh, everything CNN wouldn't lie to us. And then 
that allows you to say what we need to do is we need to create a world without that uh, that other thing. And to do that, we need to do this prescribed thing, which, well, the facts say otherwise. Well, those facts are either wrong and you can problematize it. It's so easy after that. You just apply the algorithm to the, anything that comes and then, and then you can get whatever you want out of it. Um, so, And that by our definitions uh, was extreme, was it not? Whenever you have that algorithm that says black and white, this is this and this leads to this, yeah. that's extremism. Yeah, well, I think extremism is when you take and then the, so let's go back to the oops. Let's go back to the um Scooch. let's go back to the uh the word itself is that it's extreme. You're taking an idea to the extreme. So yes, guns are dangerous. They kill. They have the potential to kill. Uh unless you don't have any ammo then it's a hunk of steel or ceramic but and it's a blunt um, instrument <laughs> yeah duke, duke, duke. I, uh, there's a lot of these books here that are big enough to be dangerous but um <laughs> the thing is is that they there's this obvious target and so and they can hurt now why aren't we talking about uh car accident deaths because a lot more people get injured and hurt by car accidents and we're not treating it the same. You shouldn't, or you, why are you buying an assault Jeep? Um, so, oh, excuse me. So the thing is, is that it's easy. It isn't, it is an actual issue. Now, any issue. So, and I think the thing is extreme is, and the reason I'm not willing to just have a rote definition and more be satisfied with the three hour discussion is that I don't want to define it because I find that that would be constricting because it's so varied on every issue, but it always comes from an actual problem. So if, if I was to try, I guess you have an actual problem, a real problem. Uh, Germany's poor. The government's ineffective. Everyone's miserable. The money's worthless. Uh, like we got blamed for something that kind of wasn't our fault. Uh, and we didn't really know what we were getting into and they didn't know what they were getting into, but we lost. And, uh, well, what do you want? Well, we're mad and we're, we want revenge and we want to, you know. So you, in, so you have an issue that is actually an issue. The, uh, you don't want to go poor, so you're worried about the economy. You are, you want to, uh, you're worried about violence. So you, 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 you're worried about uh, guns. You, you, you're worried about, um, anything but then you take the solution and you go to the extreme so you find not just a solution what can we possibly do but you find the one that will come up with the most results and this is why i said uh there is that element of impatience in it so you find the one that's going to come up with the most results uh or sounds like it'll come up with the most results the fastest so ban guns and everyone's like well but i haven't in my in my family have a range that we safely discharge firearms as you know this is our life work yeah as a point of practice (laughs) yeah so uh no uh or um we should be uh make it so that everyone has to pay uh, a carbon tax and i'll get rid of stuff it's like how (laughs) demonstrate that that's a thing so we're gonna make everyone pay for the uh carbon that they admit well i'm just so if i 
hold my breath, I don't have to pay taxes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, generally, yes, after about five minutes, I won't have to. But um, the... That's more an issue with the rollout than the policy idea itself, though, right? Right, right. So you, you, instead of thinking about it, you come to a knee-jerk or some extreme reaction. So something that will fix the problem instantly, instantly. I gotta, we got to fix it now. We gotta, you know, do it now or uh, get rid of it now. Or uh, If you ask anybody, they'll all say, we don't want to do this. We, they'll all say they think rationally and they don't make knee-jerk decisions and their implementations are thought out. But but in practice, it's not so much the case. And I'm wondering, how, how are people supposed to identify in the moment if there is a way to do this? I don't know. Um, how do you think they can identify in the moment? Like th- this is being extreme. We should hold back and like do something rational. Let- let's think about. Well, I've heard people say that, and it's great when you hear that. It's like, wait, this is this might be a bit too too much, too fast. But I think there's a difference between practice and theory. So you know, you're in class, and it's really great to talk about all these high and things that you could do. And get like anthropologists getting their doctor going. I could fix society if only people read my paper. And it's like, yeah, I bet. And uh, <laughs> then you have to hit the road yeah and well in archives like we could talk theory all day but at some point you have to make a decision on how to organize the uh historical records and there's there's no way around it you have to actually do it if you want to sit around and figure out the best way then what we need to do is we need to decolonize the archives and everyone who's working the archives is like it what (laughs) what does that even mean well we need to do this and this and this it's like we're already understaffed and have zero budget um do you want to volunteer to do that well that's so you you know create reasons that it's not happening and so if it's easy to make theory so but when you actually try and put theory into practice say like uh you know portland autonomous zone or the uh chaz up in seattle it's like let's do this we're gonna make a perfect society i think when you ask i think it's easy by the fact that um if i take a uh a medical analogy so i'm taking a drug or something to fix something i I just take a drug and i ask the they take it and they're like, good, good, good. You take the drug and I ask, or I take like the flu shot. And I look over at them and I say, what's the mechanism by which this will, you know, affect the change that I'm looking for in my body? And they'll be like, well, it does this, 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 and they explain it. But if, you know, they're doing something and they're, you know, wooing over my aura or something. And I'm like, what's the mechanism by which this is helping? And they have an answer and they, they don't really know. And it's just like, oh, this just works. I'm going to be like, ah, it's going to make me skeptical. And I should make you skeptical. What's the mechanism by which the autonomous zone will create a, a, a global utopia? Well, it just will. What hap- well, we just need more. What's the mechanism that more uh, women CEOs will create a better capitalism or destroy capitalism? Oh, well, because women are this. Like, well, what's the mechanism that women are better than men at making decisions like that? Well, what is the mechanism that uh, that will stop uh, gun violence in Canada? Well, well, that's a really good question, though, because like if if you assume or if you believe, I guess belief is the word. If you believe that there is a qualitative benefit to having diversity of opinion 
in a group of people like a, a board of directors or something you might not know specifically the quantity or the quantifiable amount of whatever you're trying to improve but you might still believe in the benefit of of like diversity of opinion is a good example of this because I don't know what a black person will contribute just by being black and being raised black and being, you know, I'm not black. I don't know what contribution they have to give me. But as a citizen of a country that is not racist, I believe in having people in those positions just for the sake of there being a potential that could be realized that I'm unaware of. Do you know what well, I mean? Like, it's it's the, the, it's, indiv- but it's not even that he's black. It's that that black guy has some like. Um, you have someone, anyone, who uh, dies. Now there, I believe this was Mill. Uh, in utilitarianism, I think I might be reading something else, uh, yeah. quoting something else, but um, yeah. The, the sentiment stands is that when they die and if they die prematurely, how many years of insight, how many years of uh, productivity do we lose from him? But more importantly, how many years of love and compassion did his family lose from having him around? How many years of support and uh, someone uh, to watch the hockey game with just from having that man out there? Um, and we think that productivity and all this is just as important. So what matters is, again, the individual, and I can't stress this enough, but to go back is that, yes, being black gives you another perspective, but there's more, that's not the only, uh, locus of identity that provides more perspective. You know, he could have perspective more from the fact that he grew up in, I don't know, Transcona and Winnipeg than because he was black. He could have learned more from one other point of his identity. Um, I learned a lot from being, I learned more from being uh, uh, poor than I did from being white. Uh, <laughs> being white doesn't really matter. It's just like, I kind of like the way it makes my, my bone structure look, but like, I don't know. I like being white doesn't, like I learned. Let me put it to you a different is, way then. Like if our goal yeah. was to attenuate extremism and we knew one way of doing that, it would be through a diversity, even though you'd be picking a person who might not be ideal for <laughs> the position. If, if the qualitative result ends in something that we can't quantify, like a reduction of extremist views, how, how would you assess that adequately or accurately? I should say. Because you can't really measure Where how much that influence the less having less yes man affects business decisions. Yeah. Right? You can't uh, really quantify yeah. that. Well, yes man is usually a sign that your business is getting a bit bloated. That's um, white people. But, uh, when you hire a bunch of white people and you're a white leader, that's what they do. <laughs> that's sort of the oh, problem. I'm sh- want women. In I'm the- sure white men come in all colors, but uh, yeah. the I think the thing is is that, and I I can't stress this enough, is that we need to um, focus away from the groups and onto the individuals. But um, the other thing is, and I think which would satisfy you a bit more, is that um, where does that element of faith come in for that person? 
Um, so this, I guess, was the swerve, which I think we talked about before. No, I started um, reading it. Good. But uh, essentially, he's noting at what point the philosopher, the natural philosopher, as um, Stephen Greenblatt was taking, at which point does he defer to faith? Uh, so uh, you get um, Plato and Aristotle being like, oh, this works like this, and this works like this, and this works because the God said so. It's like, oh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything works up until about here. And then, um, so which, uh, so you're talking to a guy and he's like, yeah, and, you know, work real hard and, and this and that. And then, you know, everything's, yeah, it's kind of rough these days. And you're like, yeah, things are rough. What can you, you can do? It's like, oh, I'd be fine if it wasn't for the Jews. It's like, oh, wow. Um, uh, okay. Oops. You just, oops. <laughs> no. So it would be fine if you just weathered it and, you know, worked hard and got through it and started, stopped blaming your problems on others. And I think the external locus of, um blame itself so your problem comes from an external source Uh, if someone's willing to take uh ownership of uh a problem in order to get it done that's a good sign uh because that person is willing to move on uh with uh a task so doesn't matter what color if they're like yeah i screwed that one up but here's a way we can figure it out so i did it it wasn't it wasn't you know those darn capitalists in wall street it wasn't the jews it wasn't you know the inferior races it was i screwed up it was me i I did it i uh i I was lazy that day and you know what i'll work harder later take responsibility and i think that's a good sign of something to look for in someone who isn't an extremist an extremist so you do get self-sacrifice in extremism, you know, you get the, um, uh, the martyr, um, but that's not really taking responsibility. That's because they are getting something that um, in return, I don't know, some kind of uh, reward or uh, people will live in a better future. But again, they have that faith and they have that unwilling, that external locus of, of blame rather because they're still blaming the one that they're blowing up in order to get what they want. Uh, they're not saying, Oh, maybe it's, maybe if I talked to my enemies instead of trying to blow them up and maybe I'm part of the problem by engaging in this useless conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the things that uh, Orwell uh, came to the conclusion of is like, okay, yes, the system is a bit of a problem because the poor people live terribly, even in the thirties. Um, especially in like Road to Wigan Pier, you can hear some horror stories. Uh, and the uh, description of um, a Paris fancy restaurant reminded me a lot of my uh, my own restaurant experience, but um, didn't wasn't that bad though. Um, so I say, so I guess to round it all off is that there's a lot of ways it manifests, but if you see someone blaming others externally for something, some perceived uh, slight, which they feel that they can remedy on something which they have faith in and not reason, and which they are using means of any sort, which they've justified through their interaction or their construction of this plight. And the means are taken 
also on faith without any actual mechanism. So is it sort of like the belief of an exogenous threat? Like the belief that an external group or other is causing an internal problem or conflict? Is that sort of what uh, what you're getting at? Yeah. It's when um, we that is part of that it. we are being extreme. Right. Now, that isn't to say that, again, I, uh, we have to take the middle path here again, because that isn't to say that there aren't external threats. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure France thought during, in 1939, that, oh, no, wait, this is all my fault. I'm sorry. No, no, there was an actual external threat. Yeah, there. and that's what the Cold War was. It was the real external threat that we were all overreacting. Right. To, but on both sides... So, so when they overreact, so, you have to react. And when you overreact, they have to react. That was the core right. basically. So threats are real, like yeah. say the ecological collapse. But how we go about it, uh, well, we need to do this to get rid of, or we need to ignore the environment and focus on social matters because those are more important. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> but um, at the same time, how you deal with it, an actual threat or a perceived threat, um, Blowing it up is always the extreme option. Yeah. So are you <laughs> going too far? So I guess we can even make it simpler. Are you going too far? Does this make sense? Choose again. And I think that's kind of where I stand with that. Do you think that should be democratized, that opinion, or should it be strictly scientific? I, mean, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Um I think well I mean strictly being the exclusive part if it's strictly dem- democratic then the people can rely and make their decisions based on science that's fine but if it's strictly scientific then it's we don't care what the people think this is exactly how it has to be it sort yeah. of demands an authoritarian approach even though it's supposedly oh. dictated by structured knowledge and empiricism yeah but structured knowledge is itself can be democratic and it can be manipulated. Um, that's sort of what I'm getting well, at. Well, that's the thing. So it can be manipulated, but we also have the ability to choose to, well, I'm a guy who watches Fox, but you know what? I am be a bit critical about them tonight. So you don't have to buy the propaganda. You can choose. You like you, it's like, oh, you know, they're just looking on Facebook too much. They believe Facebook. It's like, you, you know, not everyone, you can go on Facebook and just not click on ads or not and say like, ah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fall for that. I'm going to actively try and not fall for the uh, manipulations. Like, no, you can't you, like, we do have agency as people. And I think that we can, well, I kind of sit with Burke there and say, we can't just, you know, think about this scientifically because there's too many variables, but we can try not to fall. And the thing is, is that there's people out there who in our society, well, I think this comes down to when we go through it in an authoritarian manner, there's one way that you can go because there's only one uh, there's only one direction that everyone goes in. Now in our society, a couple people can be like, there's a problem. How am I going to deal with it? Well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is there's garbage in the park. I could just go over and pick it up, which I've done as a citizen. I don't need a sanction. I don't need to be paid for my time. I can donate it. I can volunteer. I can do whatever the heck I want. And I can choose to, uh, without any ideology, go pick up garbage in my street because it's nice to have a garbage-free street. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
And so I can choose to start a company to clean up uh, river sewage all over the world. I can choose to build better, um, fund better oil slick absorbing technology. I can choose to work on other stuff. I can choose to this, but because we're all free and because we have all this autonomy and this de democratic, uh, democratized responsibility, people can choose to argue with me. And this is where their, their, your diversity comes in. That's the diversity is people can choose to bring in their opinions and be like, actually, you're an idiot. And then I can choose to ignore them or I can choose to listen or I can choose to uh, say, you know what, I'm tired today. Can we argue tomorrow? Um, but So it really um, hinges the, a lot on the agency of the individual to take it upon themselves to be part of the, part of the solution, right? Yeah, I, I don't. And yeah, I hear that a lot. It's like be part of the solution. Here's what the solution. No, but I mean, is. like, like <laughs> actually pick up garbage. Don't just like tell people, "Hey, look, I want a clean city." Hey, I want a clean city. Like actually, fucking do something. Yeah, it does. Now I understand That's the I um, agency. I understand the disdain because, like, I've sat there. I remember there's been a couple times where I've just been. I see somewhere like in the foyer here and like, I'll just be sitting there, sit like kneeling there for like five minutes, just being like smokers, not just throwing their butts on the ground as I can right here. <laughs> and I'll just be like, Oh, those are dirty. It's like, yeah, but I don't want them there. So, <laughs> and um, it's like, I don't, I, I, but I'm not going to be like, Oh, smokers are terrible people because a lot of the, my favorite people that I know smoke. So yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of people I know that smoke. Um, and I don't see it really as a moral choice unless you blow it into my face. Yeah. Um, that's just being a dick though. Yeah. There's a one woman that flirted with me like that. And I thought that was really weird. I didn't, it's extremely rude. It's like being in a pool and spitting water at somebody like it's in your body and then you expel it. Why would you do that in someone's face of all places? Like <laughs> that's so rude. Yeah. So I think we might be laboring this a bit now. Well, can I uh, ask you some more questions then about what you went through? Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, in keeping with what we were talking about with, um, with like agency and personal self-actualization and like being part of the solution, if you want to call it that, um, yeah, I don't like that oh. so much, but go on. <laughs> I, it sounds it's not the solution. A big it's... part of averting extremist views is um, like lots of thought and energy. And having yeah. talked to you from our, our past discussions, I can't remember which episode it was, but we were talking about how like it is unreasonable to expect everybody to, to fall into these deep, teleological discussions of like the matter of existence and you know what should and ought to be and how we should you know the philosophical ends is what i'm getting at a lot of people aren't interested in philosophizing they want guidance and structure and they want to be tr they want to be able to trust their leadership to do what's right for everybody but at some point you got to look at macro scales and micro scales again and see like are they looking after the best interests of my community the best interests of my my province, my my country, longevity of the species, etc. So, how do you tell somebody starving in Uganda that they need to worry about climate change and not burn coal? So, where where do we find those gray areas of extremism, and what do we do about that? Like, how do we fix those extremes? 
not just poverty, but like in general, when somebody is forced to do something that is counterproductive to the, the species, but they have to because they're not being helped in other ways. It's sort of like the pin being knocked down by the other pin. Yeah, I know. I like this. I like this analogy because on the micro, well, on our micro over here, we have, um, is it extremist if you have a drywaller saying, I'm just doing my job putting up drywall. Right. And it's not really an extreme. He's just like, I don't want to philosophize. Says, you know what? It's ex- it's an extreme position to force everyone to philosophize. Exactly, exactly. And uh, like, I'm choosing to do this. And it's kind of my job to be aware of the reasons I do things. Cause as a scholar, yeah. As a scholar. But like, I, if I'm doing archivist work and I, and I just, and I take things extremely, I have to take everything uh, almost as neutrally as possible because, you know, history is history well ambivalent yeah history is not going to care what i think and these records need to go forward whether what they say or not uh and i have to be um like i have to ignore my own opinion uh a lot of the time uh but most of the time i don't because like it's like oh this is history this is what happened this is what records are in history and that's interesting and you know we can get into like this and that, but that's that's a, that's a rabbit hole I don't want to get into because um, that's not what everyone needs to do. Um, and like someone who's a gardener or something, it's like, well, you know, I've got opinions on it, but it doesn't really matter for me because you know I just like gardening, and that's great. But the people that are worried about these things need to put thought into it, uh, mm. probably more than someone does. And if and you can subscribe to an opinion that's correct or incorrect or poorly thought out or actually strangely uh, well thought out if you're a tradesman or not. You know what? Whatever. It's free society. Um, but I think for us, it's put your money where your mouth is uh, and don't just talk and don't just start a fire. Uh, but for that person in Uganda who's burning coal, now it does bug me that, you know, um, we are uh that they are burning coal and cutting down trees to burn for fuel which is sorely outdated now what now should we force them to not burn coal because you know uh you know someone in uh, a terrible part of the world is doesn't have the access to the resources and infrastructure and technology that we do no that's that's no, you can't be warm because you're not doing it properly. Well, that kind of rhetoric is, you know, sounds very similar to what we tell our, what a lot of people in our own society are telling us. You, you can't do this because uh, we say this because this yeah, is my morality. <laughs> yeah. So, but what we can do in our society on the macro is go over to them and be like, yeah, um, we don't actually like you burning coal. And they're like, yeah, so what are you going to do about it? Well, we have this thing that we can give you. <laughs> we can teach you how to make one. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, they're actually really easy to build, and we'll, we'll just give them to you. <laughs> so, uh, Or we can trade. Like, There's a lot of here that we can do. Uh, you have to, um, in the trade, you have to treat your employees, and you can't use any slave labor. Um, because, you know, we don't like the suffering of individual humans, even though no, you don't that's care. That's the whole point of us helping you. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to help you, but you have to treat your own citizens well while we're helping you. Um, so, um, 
do you want the uh, fusion reactor or not? Or we can set it up ourselves and sell you the power. Uh, well, now you're going to control the power. It's like, yeah, but we can also um, post troops inside the lines of our fusion reactor so you don't explode it. Um, but the power is good. Uh, or we can show you how to do wind fires or this. Like, we, there are third options. Like, use a bit of imagination. Um, mm. That so the summer. Yeah, that doesn't enforce. Now, the other thing is, is that you go in and he's like, and it would be wrong to, and I guess an extreme position to be like, how can they, you know, extreme self-interest, I guess, would be to go in and be like, aha, now I can hold this entire country hostage for resources and power and money. But like, I guess you could, but then like, sure, I guess. Like you're to me, that would be extremism for capitalists. Yeah, it's extreme, extreme capitalism. Capitalism leads to exploitation and slavery. And yeah, humans are not that, averse to slavery. They really, really like it, apparently, as history yeah. tells us. But we we also know that like if you give people people also really well, they like slavery, but they like structure and rules. Yeah, and safety more than them. slavery. Yeah, but then there's people like me who were like, um no i will i prefer my freedom once i've had it i don't want to ever give it back <laughs> uh you know get a taste of it when you're and then i i i understand the value of it so i'm i don't know, call me an extremist but or... so i guess what you're saying then like for people who want to contribute productively to society the ones who want to think deeply about this and advocate for people's rights and and be part of solutions like this mm-hmm. they should be more inclined than everyone else to spot their own biases and um and ignorance and like to lessen it like they yeah it's more incumbent upon them than most other people to be less ignorant because they're advocating right so it's like a model kit you get a you get a lower an easy one to get and just snaps together and you can put the stickers on you don't have to those are my kind of kits (laughs) yeah but then after a while you build a more complicated one and you have to be much more careful. You have to practice your skills. You have to see what works and what doesn't. And you have to, you can't just say, Oh, this works. So I do it that way because you know, it's going to look terrible. Your model airplane is going to look like a model car. And if you put the time and effort and patience into honing your skills, then you can build a better one and you can do things that you never thought. And that goes with any skill you take the time to do it responsibly and you end up with a better product. Um, Wise words. And Thank you. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and when you ignore and you try to take the easy path, you end up in on an extreme path because it sounds good or feels good. Now I've been in protests. It does feel good to be marching with all those people and banging the drum. Um, it feels real good uh or anti-maskers spouting conspiracies and anti-vaxxers and yeah uh and uh or like strangely you have like way too pro-vaxxers who are like take it don't look at the product don't even look at the box (laughs) it's like um no (laughs) i will get it I will just, you know, I'd almost feel comfortable just staying inside another week to wait for the second round. Yeah, um, exactly. So, like, that's kind of where I sit. But, like, 
But it's a personal decision. It's all That's about a personal risk preference. It comes down yeah, to well, like how well, you're risking other people. You're breathing, and COVID could be out there. It's like, it's like I don't like wearing a mask, but I still do it. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, strangely enough, and I think this goes to my own bias and being aware of it, is that if the government tells me not to, to wear a mask, I'm like, you know, jerks telling me what to do, you overlording me. But if some, if I walk into someone's property and they tell me to, you know, make sure you wear a mask, I'll be like, oh, better put on a mask for this guy. <laughs> So uh, but it comes down to a human respect too. Like on some yeah. level you have to realize that like, well, it's a pandemic. It's not like it's just some random Joe blow saying, I want you to wear a mask just because it's like, he's got a reason at least it doesn't hurt. You might as well comply. And yeah. So even so, if you don't believe in it, you should still sort of as a, as a community member, you should sort of comply. Yeah. Because and I think the Americans themselves are pretty, uh confused because you know the political party was said do this and they're like do this or well you don't need to wear a mask and everyone's like you don't need to wear a mask right or this or that and then all of a sudden you need to wear a mask and then you know the people the the sides switch and they don't even think about it everyone's saying wear a mask or you're a racist and before it was like don't wear a mask or you're you know all the oh that's going to be a good subject for another episode corruption i really want to do an episode on that i think that also like um public opinion that uh, like walter Lippmann's public opinion but he did uh, it so well there's nothing i could add to that <laughs> right so go read that book if you're interested yes, in about public please. opinion everybody uh, should read that book um i think though um next time we talk uh on this topic we should talk about um actual activism and protests and uh what we are actually doing when we go out and yell at buildings. Yeah, we um, might do that next week. Actually, I like that subject. Yeah, because I've got, like I said, I was take did take part in the Occupy movement, and uh, I've done uh, I've taken part in several strikes, uh, as well as done like canvassing and opinion gathering and stuff like that back in my fire breathing days. Um, hey, we work for the Crown Railroad, so. When, when I was a little kid, I was picketing with my moms. <laughs> yeah. Now, so we'll talk about uh, protesting and activism and whether or not it actually works, when it works, and when it doesn't. So that'll probably be next week's episode. Mm-hmm. So. Common pitfalls and stumbling blocks and... Yeah, yeah. when it feels All good and good when stuff. you're actually doing something. So yeah, that'll well, be... Uh, as usual, next. thanks for tuning in and be sure to like, comment, subscribe at the bottom. We're always yep. going to have big fat discussions thanks for watching guys uh much appreciated thanks jordan